Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development program that changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to this message as part of a series called The Spirit and the Power. You know, this this series is just consuming me because I think back particularly to my early days as a believer. And I'll tell you one of the things that I was fully committed to is I was never going to come to the place to where this was all talk. You know, the Apostle Paul said, for the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. And another translation says the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but a matter of power. Now, the Holy Spirit brings the power of God uh, into our lives and upon our lives and through our lives to manifest the presence of God and the power of God and actually the love of God. Just think about the Holy Spirit ministering to us internally is always bringing us to a reminder of how much God loves us because he's always nurturing, he's always listening, he's always influencing, he's always leading, he's always comforting, and he's always doing that through the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, when we minister to other people, the Bible says that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are a manifestation of the Spirit. In other words, it is an expression, it is a tangible expression of the character and the nature of God, of the Holy Spirit. And remember, the Holy Spirit is just as much a personal entity as God the Father, as the Lord Jesus Christ. And one of the things that we have to realize, we live in an age where people seem to want to diminish uh, who God is personally. Well, when, since there's God the Father, there's God the Son, there's God the Holy Spirit. If I diminish the Holy Spirit personally, then I am attempting to diminish who God is. And I'm telling you, uh, you're talking about, the Bible says not to grieve the Holy Spirit. You're talking about something that's grieving is for someone to diminish you to such an extent that they will not accept you as a, as a personal individual entity with, with characteristics and the communication and all of the things that come along with it. So the Holy Spirit is always seeking to manifest God. So stop and think about when a person is, is discouraged and you minister to them and they sense the Holy Spirit uh, uh, bringing them comfort, then they recognize the love of God in ways that they probably never have. If a person is sick and you lay hands on them and pray for them and the Holy Spirit manifests uh, the gift of healing in their life, then once again, they are recognizing that God is in fact expressing his love and they're getting to see and experience the uh, the character, the nature, uh, all of that God is. So listen, today we're talking about, like I said, the promise that the Holy Spirit is, is with you and he would be in you. At least that was the promise that Jesus gave to the disciples. Now I want you to realize that, that apart from the Holy Spirit working in our lives and apart from the Holy Spirit working through us, there's not one promise of the of the new testament that can be fulfilled in our life because 
this this isn't just uh, something that automatically happens. As a matter of fact, uh, the Bible is very clear that that no matter what God has given us, there are a couple of things that has to happen for it to benefit us. Number one, we have to believe it and receive it. When we believe something, we receive it, and that word receive means to take it and bring it unto ourselves. So the first thing is that we've got to believe and receive. The second thing is the Holy Spirit has to manifest it. If we do not believe and receive, there can be no manifestation. Now, this doesn't mean you're earning it. It doesn't mean that uh, that you're in dead works. It just means that God himself will not force even the best things that he has on us in any manner. And we, we have to choose them. We have to uh, trust God and trust his promises. And we have to take hold of those things and bring them to ourselves by faith. Uh, otherwise, God is kind of left out in the cold. You know, when Jesus talked about standing at the door and knocking uh, on our hearts, he's on the outside. In other words, that's him saying, can I come in? Can I come in and bring the life and the power of God to you? So anyhow, uh, it's very important that we understand when Jesus met with the disciples or the apostles and in John 20, verse 21, and he said, look, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. So he is saying that I'm sending you with the same mission. I am sending you with the same message. I am sending you with the same process. I am sending you with the same power. And because you are human beings, you already have the authority. You get to make the choice whether or not you want all of these things of God manifesting and coming to life within you. And so then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And we've already talked about that. I'm not going to go into that again. But the key thing is this. If we want to see revival, you know, there's people all over the world praying for revival or praying for renewal or praying for an outpouring of God. Well, well if we are willing to yield to the Holy Spirit, the minute we are yielding, yielding to the Holy Spirit, following him, that prayer is answered. That, that is really something that really doesn't even need to be prayed. God wants that more than we want. God wants to bring health and healing to the world. He wants to bring health and healing to our lives. And so there is no point in praying that prayer, uh, really, unless you are, in fact, ready to yield to the Holy Spirit to work in you and for the Holy Spirit to work with you and, and through you. So um, when we think about the Holy Spirit working us, we think about the Holy Spirit working through us. That brings us to two very, very critical issues that we must deal with. And those two issues are, number one, um, being filled with the Spirit, and number two, being baptized with the Spirit. Those are not the same things. So I want to talk about this just a little bit. And, um, and, and we're going to come back and talk about authority and, you know, being able to operate our authority and expect the Spirit of God to manifest in us. But let me just mention this scripture, since this is uh, what this message is based on, John 14, uh, verse 18, uh, Jesus promises that the Holy Spirit dwells with you and will be in you. And he is speaking to the disciples whenever he makes that promise. Now, again, the Holy Spirit uh, in us 
works in our life, empowers us, strengthens us, and actually manifests the grace of God. Grace is something today that is being so mistaught, so twisted, so perverted, and I can't even go into all that right now, but grace is the power, the strength, the capacity of God that works in our heart. Well, that's where the Holy Spirit works, and that's how he works is in our heart. And he does this by bringing a power that is not ours. And we don't earn this. It comes by unmerited favor. Unmerited favor is not what it is, but it is the process whereby it comes. And the heart is a place from which it comes to flow out of us into the rest of our being and to the rest of the world around us. So the Holy Spirit in us is always manifesting grace, if you will, to work within us so that we can have the power to do, be, whatever God has said we can do and be, whatever capacity that we need to face life situations. And then he says, so he's in us, going to be with us. And this is the distinction between being filled with the Holy Spirit and being baptized with the Holy Spirit, because being filled with the Holy Spirit has to do with the inner workings of how we yield to the Holy Spirit. But being baptized in the Holy Spirit is about being covered over or immersed with the Holy Spirit so that he's not just in us, helping us, but he is upon us, touching the world around us. And of course, manifesting, you know, the goodness of God. Now, there are a lot of things that I would like to talk to you about in this. You can, you know, I can dive into all of those things in the audio series. I'm not cheating you out of anything, but see our audio series and our video series, they are not exact duplications. Uh, if you are somebody who wants to take a deep dive into this and into the ministry of the Holy Spirit, then uh, you really want to look at the audio uh, series, especially if you're a person who uh, is committed to being a disciple of the Lord Jesus, to developing your life, following his model. Because his model was to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, allow the Holy Spirit to work in him and work with him. And so if we're going to follow his model, then that's the model that we've got to follow. If we're wanting to see worldwide revival, that's the model that we have to follow. But anyhow, in the audio series, I go a lot into manifestations of boldness, coming out of cowardness, coming out of, of intimidation, and all these things uh, that happen in our lives as a result of yielding to the Holy Spirit. So check it out. I'm telling you what, uh, you're going to love it. But you know, if you don't feel like you need that, or you don't feel like you want that, I'm going to give you everything that I can give you in these video series to help you. Now, and uh, Ephesians 15, 17, we have a, a famous verse. Anybody that's ever studied much about the Holy Spirit has probably read this verse. It says, therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So he's getting ready to say, I am going to show you the will of the Lord. You know, there are so many places in the scripture where it makes it plain that uh, God is showing us the will of the Lord through the written word. Now, amazingly, we walk around and pray for God's will, asking him what his will is, but we ignore the places where he has explicitly and directly stated what his will is. Now, let me give you a little tip here. If you ignore what God has already said to you about his will, it's highly unlikely that you will not hear or recognize anything else that he might try to show you about his will. After all, uh, what kind of relationship is it where somebody expressly 
tells you what it is they want and you totally ignore it and you want them to tell you something else. You want them to teach you more. Well, as you have learned through this series and through my teaching over the years, the Bible clearly reveals that anything that we're not ready to put into practice, we will not hear it. We will not recognize it. It will get twisted in our understanding before we can take it to the place of application. So here, here's what you want to say. You're getting ready to hear the will of the Lord. He says, do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, in this verse, he is juxtaposing uh, or comparing being drunk with wine uh, and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Because he put these in the same sentence, then you understand one by understanding the other. Now, when a person gets drunk with wine, then what they do, they fill themselves up with wine. And the concept here is not so much, the importance is not really so much about the fact that they're filled up with it, because that's really kind of metaphorically speaking, you know, we don't really get filled up with wine, but what we do is we drink the wine or drink the alcohol until it begins to affect us, until we reach a place where we are comfortable yielding to um, that influence. You know, when, if, if you get caught drunk driving, you get a, a, a ticket for DUI driving under the influence. And um, driving under the influence is something you chose to do. It's not something that getting drunk made you do. And so, so this is about yielding to an influence. It's choosing to yield to an influence. So now when you get drunk, it changes your perception. You begin to think very differently. And, and very often you get bold and outspoken. Um, and really, when you get drunk, you begin to lose the inhibitions that cause you to be restrictive in how you express yourself. Now, sometimes that's good, sometimes that's bad. But the key thing is this, what a person is full of is always running over into their behavior and becoming an influence in their behavior. That's the comparison that's being made here. So when we are filled with or under the influence or yield it to the influence of the Holy Spirit, then it affects us much in the same way. Our perception is altered. Uh, we begin to, you know, it's amazing the things that we will see and face and have the courage to do that we normally would not. You know, the, Paul told Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he has given us power, love, and a sound mind. And that word fear in most translations is translated as in intimidation. God has not given us the spirit of intimidation. Uh, we fa face circumstances and situations when, when we are yielding to the spirit, the, allowing the power of the spirit to work in us. Now, keep in mind, if you're giving way to fear, if you're putting your focus on anger, fear, aggression, or, or whatever, then you are not putting your attention on the Holy Spirit. You are not yielding to how the Holy Spirit is attempting to influence your life. And, you know, once you begin to experience this, it, I'm telling you, it's an eye-opener, and your life changes, and your life gets, you know, easier. I remember the first time I ever had my life threatened uh, for the gospel, I got a telephone call one day after I got saved, very shortly after I got saved, I started reaching out to um, people who 
were really my generation, hippies, people that were in drugs, people that, you know, were into all the kinds of things that, that I participated in. And so uh, uh, there was one particular group of people and um, uh, their parents were strict Catholics and uh, they did not want their children becoming Christians, which made no sense to me. I thought, well, aren't you a Christian? Well, no, they wanted their kids to be Catholics uh, before Christians. Made absolutely no sense to me. But after winning, I don't even know how many of these kids to the Lord, a group of parents got together and they contacted me and told me if I didn't stop sharing Jesus with their kids and taking them away from Catholicism, which I wasn't trying to take them away from anything. I didn't even, I didn't even know there was a problem. Uh, but the parents made it very clear they would have me killed. And so when I got that telephone call, I am telling you, I'm standing there and I'm listening to this and it's incredibly serious. I tell you so much joy came into me. I began to laugh out loud. They, I mean, the person on the other end of the line could not figure out what in the world was happening. And so that, that's one of those situations where you yield to the Holy Spirit. You're always going to respond with, with confidence. You're always going to respond with peace and joy. You're always going to respond in ways that are healthy, in ways that contribute to your life. So a person that is filled with the Holy Spirit technically is a person who is uh, yielding to the influence of the Holy Spirit, allowing the Holy Spirit to work in their lives. Now, when it comes to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, um, there's so much debate, and some of it is so incredibly illogical. Uh, and if you can, if, uh, you know, you just look at the structure of the sentence, uh, some of these sentences, it actually, and if you can diagram a sentence, it actually answers all of your questions. You know, in Acts uh, chapter 1, verse 4, uh, Jesus told the disciples not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he has said, and, we, and, and, and you have heard from me, he says, for John truly baptizes water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And he goes on just a few verses later and talks about the fact that when we are baptized with the Holy Spirit, uh, that we will receive power, dunamis. I, I, that word for power uh, is the Greek word dunamis, which is the word from which we get dynamite. And the root of that word is dynamo. And a dynamo is a generator, something that produces energy that can give off a charge of energy equal to itself without losing any of its inherent power. And so the Holy Spirit, he, he, is, he is endless in power. He is endless in energy. He is endless in his ability to work through us and touch the world all around us. But, you know, in one, in one place, uh, the scripture tells us where, where Jesus says, you, you know, John baptized water, I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, let's look at this just real quickly, just for a few minutes. And uh, let's kind of diagram the sentence a little bit. John would be the subject. And so he is the person who is taking action. And uh, the action that he is taking is baptizing. Now, the word baptize, and I am not, I don't really have a doctrinal dog in this fight, if you know what I'm saying. 
But the word baptize has never meant to sprinkle. Uh, the word baptize or baptizo uh, actually is used in Greek writings of a ship that has sunk and has gone to the bottom of the sea. It is covered over with water. And so it is immersed in water. Now, the reason this is important is because the whole purpose of baptism is always about dying in a certain area or a certain aspect of your life, and uh, which you want to believe for, or you want to make a connection whenever you're put down into the water, because the picture is the picture of a grave, of being buried in a grave because you are dead in some area of your life. You've chosen to, to let go of something. And then when you're brought up out of that water, that is a type or a picture of resurrection. You have now been raised up in something that uh, uh, empowers you to overcome whatever it was that you just laid to death. And so, and so we're getting baptized in, in water. We're burying our old man. We're burying everything that we're, we were outside of Jesus. And the water is the element that we are being baptized into. Now, you notice John never one time sent anybody down to the river and said, now, I want you to go down and I want you to drink as much of this water as you can, because this is not about getting the water inside of you. This is about you being covered over and something else happening uh, in your life, some other power beginning to work in your life. So if you just follow that same uh, sentence structure there, you realize that when Jesus says, I, that makes, him, that makes him the baptizer. He is the subject of the sentence. He says, I will baptize you. That's the verb. I'm going to do the same thing um, in the Holy Spirit that John did in the water. I am going to immerse you or bury you in the Holy Spirit. And this is not about the Holy Spirit coming in you. You're not drinking in the Holy Spirit. You're not trying to get filled with the Holy Spirit. This is about the Holy Spirit coming upon you. This is about you dying to all of your natural weaknesses and getting up in the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit, who now wants to touch the world uh, around you with the power of God. This, will, this gets you out of that whole thing of just trying to influence people by talk. This gets you out of the whole thing. Uh, of, of thinking that debate or you know intellectual superiority will somehow win any kind of a battle at all because it will not it will not transform anybody it will not get anybody saved uh, it you know it will not heal anybody it will not manifest the love of God only the Holy Spirit can do that and then the Holy Spirit of course works with the Word of God so now you inwardly you've got the boldness of the Holy Spirit you know you remember there was one place. Where, uh, where, you know, Peter preached to the leaders of Israel. Now, this is the same Peter that just a few days before uh, backed down and was intimidated by a little servant girl. He wasn't intimidated because she had, you know, physical strength. She didn't have a sword. She wasn't able to kill him. He was just intimidated and wasn't even willing to admit that he knew Jesus. And then here he is just a few days later preaching to the leaders of Israel saying, you are the ones who killed uh, the Messiah. You are the ones who crucified him. And, in other words, he had incredible boldness. You know, there's, a, there's another place in the book of Acts, which, uh, which I think is 
so uh, is so worth looking at. In Acts chapter four, the church was going through persecution, and so they gathered together and they began to pray. And what they prayed for was boldness, and and you know God moved supernaturally, and they went out and spoke the word with boldness. You know, people are always asking me, how, how should I pray for the lost? And, you know, my answer most of the time is the real truth is it's more about praying for yourself than praying for the lost. It's about praying for you to have the boldness to share the word of God and to do it in love and to do it in kindness. And when you share the word of God with somebody uh, in boldness and confidence and in strength, but in peace, it's amazing at the influence that it will have, particularly if they know you, particularly if they have seen a change in your life. So again, the baptism of the Holy Spirit really works in conjunction with the Spirit of God in you and the Spirit of God upon you and, and through you. Uh, now, think about this. Many people who struggle with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there's a questions that they fail to ask. Uh, number one, who had the baptism of the Holy Spirit that we know of in the New Testament? Well, Paul. Uh, we know that Paul later got baptized in the Spirit. We know that Peter and John and Mary and all the apostles and all the disciples, all of them uh, received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we also know, like in the book of Acts, chapter 14, when the apostles heard that Samaria had received the Word of God, they were shocked that they didn't get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so they actually went to, uh, uh, Peter and John actually went to Samaria and shared the word with them about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and laid hands on them. And you know what? They received. Now you have to understand, well, well, why didn't they receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit when they got saved? See, instantly when you get saved, you are baptized into the body of Christ. You know, the, the foundations of the faith tell us that there's many baptisms. Instantly, the Spirit of God comes within you, gives you a new spirit, and gives you a new heart. Those are the things that happen at the new birth. That is the biblical description and process of what happened at the new birth. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the new birth are not the same thing. So if nobody preaches to you about this, or if you don't search this out in the Bible for yourself, then you can't operate faith for something that you haven't heard, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Now, listen, I don't know what you're going to do with this. I don't know how you're going to sort this out, but I want to encourage you to begin to commune with God about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and about the Spirit-filled life. And uh, I, I want you to make up your mind that if this is something you're not open to, you're willing to be open to. You know, I have prayed that prayer thousands of times. God, I don't really want to do this. I don't like this. I'd prefer to do it another way, but but I want to follow you. I'm a disciple of Lord Jesus. So bring me to the place where I'm willing. You know, this is kind of what the Bible talks about, moving from grace to grace or moving from glory to glory. And, uh, you know, right now, I may, the grace of God may be working in me because of what I have learned, what I believe. And so I'm able to, I'm, I'm functioning at a certain level, if you will. But I come to realize I need to be functioning in another truth, another reality. And so that's when I go to God and say, okay, God, I am willing. If this is, you know, if this, if this is in your word, if I'm understanding it properly, then I am willing to be made willing to go deeper and farther into this. And, you know, that's what we do. 
A disciple is a person who is always willing to put the Word of God to work in their life. Listen, I got a whole lot more I want to share with you on this, so be sure and walk through this, and I'll be talking to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Impact Ministries World Changers Podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website from previous broadcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.